Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon taking a couple of days off vacation, getting a little R&R. Let's uh, jump out, talk a little college football. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now is the editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football. He's Stuart Mandel with us back on The Big Show. Hi, Stuart. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Man, I'm great because college football is happening. More is coming. We're talking about a BYU game tomorrow. Uh, I'm glad that uh, that we're going to get some college football on the field this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a long, long road to this point. Uh, but seeing the Mountain West schedule come out today, uh, expecting the Pac-12 schedule probably this weekend, uh, I just think it's great that we're going to, at least for about a seven-week period, have everybody back at once. The Mountain West, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is a great place to start. The big uh, big news around here today, BYU scheduling that game with Boise State on uh, on the December the 7th. And uh, looking over the rest of the, the Mountain West football schedule, and I know you tweeted about this, it looks like San Diego State has an open week, so does Air Force. What do you think? Is there a chance maybe BYU can pick up another game? Yeah, I'm wondering who this mystery opponent, San Diego State, is holding out for. Right. Uh, they, they specifically said that they're playing one one fewer a conference game than the others. I mean, that was important for BYU, no doubt, because I know they've, based on their performance these first two games, uh, fans starting to get excited. Could this team possibly go undefeated? Um, but it's just it's a very, you know, it's not a, a formidable schedule. It's not a schedule that would be taken seriously by the committee. So getting Boise State on there is a huge pickup. They can get another Mountain West team. Uh, particularly San Diego State, who's been uh, a very good program for a long time now, uh, would certainly be a nice list. Why do you think they're able to go earlier than the Pac-12, even though they made the decision to return and at similar times? Well, uh, it's I mean a bit puzzling, to be honest with you. I mean, the Pac-12 is following the NCAA recommendations that uh, you need six weeks of ramp up, uh, you know, an acclimation period, and then a full training camp. Uh, and that's why they're not starting till November 7th. Uh, San Jose State is literally driving five and a half hours away to another college to be able to start practicing for a game that is in 23 days. Uh, I, I'm a little worried, to be honest. I think there's a risk of injury if teams are returning to the field and playing a game. Um, you know, if their players aren't in game shape when they go to play an actual football game. Uh, but as we've seen throughout this, Every conference has their own medical advisors who all have different interpretations and different recommendations. And apparently they think this is enough time to prepare for a game. There was a, a Pac-12 uh, statement released today about the adjustments of some of the rules there in, in California. Uh, Austin and I were joking earlier today about the term cohort, which uh, we're now <laughs> learning so much about. But does that adjustment help, I guess, in some of the stuff with uh, that you're talking about with San Diego State? Yeah, that was the single biggest thing holding back um, the California schools. Now, um, I'm in Santa Clara County. That's where I live, and that is the county that is holding up Stanford and San Jose State. They need to, uh, because in California it's whichever is stricter, the county or the state, they need to 
adopt those same uh, rules for it to uh, for them to get finally get the go ahead. But uh, they had said that county had said they were waiting on uh, to see what California did. So you know that was obviously an important step. This is uh, the question I hadn't planned on asking, but you mentioned you, you live there in, in California. What did you make of the whole back and forth between Larry Scott and Governor Newsom and the governor of, of Oregon, for that matter, where when the Pac-12 was coming back, they said, oh, well, you know, as, as soon as we're allowed to do something from by the state, then we'll do it. And then that same day, Gavin Newsom said, like, we're not holding anybody back from doing anything. What what was that? <laughs> Uh, that was that was politics, I guess. Uh, if you also remember, a key moment there was the night before Gavin Newsom called Larry Scott or vice versa. I'm not sure which is when the USC players put out a letter to Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, urging him to give them the, the permission to practice. So I think he probably wanted to make it clear that he wasn't holding them back. But again, what he said that day, it took until today for them to actually officially revise their 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 uh, restrictions that keep the teams from practicing. So we'll never know from the time the Pac-12 announced in early September that they had made this deal for daily testing, how much, how aggressive were they really in terms of um, reaching out to the, to the officials and, and trying to get some of these rules relaxed because it seemed like nothing happened on that front at all until the USC players sent that letter and then all of a sudden things started happening very quickly. So on kind of a similar note, uh, Coach Whittingham had a, a media availability today, and he talked about their preparedness um, to to get ready for the season. And um, you know he he indicated and talked about how they've been working out throughout this. Now he made it very specifically to mention that they haven't been hitting, but they've been there and they've been working out and preparing for for quite some time. Um, in compared to some other programs which haven't been able to do anything. How much of an advantage is that going to be for a program that maybe didn't have to shut it all the way down? I think it's a big advantage. Um, they've Utah has probably been closer to teams in other parts of the country than they have been a lot of the Pac-12 in terms of from the time they got back or in early summer. Um, they've been able to do everything up to a training camp, and that has definitely not been the case, uh, uh, certainly at the California schools. Um, UCLA, USC, uh, Stanford only got most of their team back on campus last week uh, because of the school that's doing online only. They had sent the players home. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it's not. there's a reason Utah and, and Kyle Whittingham mentioned it today, and uh, we've certainly heard it behind the scenes. They were pushing to start earlier. Uh, they were ready to go October 31st. So was Colorado. Um, and then other schools were saying, whoa, wait a minute. We can't even practice in groups larger than six right now. How do you, how do you expect us to be ready for a game that soon? So that's how we reached November 7th. How much will only play playing seven games hurt the Pac-12 in their hopes to get a, a college football playoff uh, team? Is it completely eliminated, or is that door still open? Well, uh, nothing – there's no minimum game rule, obviously, and, uh, and we don't know how many games are the other leagues actually going to – teams can actually get in. Right. Um, we've had almost, I think it's over 25 games now that have been postponed or canceled, and at some point you're going to run out of dates to make those games up. Um, but I do think it would have to be just an absolute perfect storm. Uh, certainly they'd have to go undefeated, that Pac-12 team. Uh, I think because you're not playing anybody out of conference, 
I mean, now more than ever, it's going to be lots going to be based on the team's reputation or the conference's reputation. The Pac-12 reputation has not been great, obviously, the last few years. So, um, if it's Cal going seven and zero, are they going to be taken seriously as a playoff team? Probably not. Uh, if it's Oregon, who won the Rose Bowl last year, if it's USC, who's a big brand name, that might be a different story. But you're still, I still, they would still need, I think. Um, I mean, they would need the other conferences to either have a lot of cancellations or uh, the SEC's playing 10 games. Maybe nobody makes it out there with two, two losses. Because I, I just think that there's going to be pushback to the idea that a team that only played seven games gets in over a team that played 10 or 11. Who do you like in the Pac-12 this year, Stuart? Um, I think because, well, first of all, I could be, nothing would surprise me about this weird seven-game season. Um I, I, I would probably pick. I probably would have picked Oregon before all the opt-outs they've had. They've had quite a few, including their the best offensive lineman in the country. I think I go with USC now. Uh, very experienced team, obviously great quarterback in Keaton Slovis. Um, now some people say, how could you possibly have faith in Clay Helton? Well, I'm not sure I would have had faith in Clay Helton to beat Alabama and Notre Dame and and have the kind of season that that USC fans expect. But can he win six or seven games and win the Pac-12? Certainly. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Circling back to BYU for a moment, they've, uh, as you alluded to, have looked really good through the first two weeks. And uh, the competition until Boise State, you know, Houston's in there and, and they might be a bit of a test. And, of course, Boise we know about. But, you know, there's also Texas-San Antonio and Louisiana Tech tomorrow night. How hard is it to gauge – how good a team is when the the competition is would seem so inferior. Yeah, it's it's going to be really tough unless you know. Certainly, if Navy goes on to have a really good season, then you look back at that first game and and wow, that that means they were pretty good. Um, I actually think Troy is not bad, and they just blew them off the field the other day. But certainly, there's not a lot of respect built in for a lot of these teams. Even Houston is coming off a pretty rough season and have lost Derek King. Um, so, yes, I think the Boise State game is important uh, because that's a team that everybody does respect that's been uh, you know, winning 11, 12 games for quite some time now. If they can win that one, I think that would be uh, you know, considered a signature win. I'm sure we've we've asked you this question multiple times in the past, uh, Stuart, but Eric Weddle was on our station today uh, with the previous show, and they got off onto uh, a tangent. Eric, of course, uh, went played at Utah, but they started talking about BYU, and he came up with a pretty strong opinion that uh, from a player's standpoint to get back into a conference because it's better for players to play for something, and he had a tough time thinking that independence was good for, for players and advocated, even if it is a G5 league or the Mountain West, to to get into a league. Where are you at on BYU and independence and uh, the, that as, for, as far as the health of the program? Yeah, I mean, I've been asked about it so many times, and, and I've always said I think, uh, you know, I understand why they do what they do. I certainly understand the, the motivation and, and the exposure from that ESPN deal, but, I mean, certainly – None of us could have predicted the pandemic, obviously, but it kind of exposed the difficulty of being an independent in 2020. Having, you know, it's amazing that they were able to put together a schedule, but it's a, uh, you know, it's it's not the kind of caliber of teams BYU would like to be playing. So, I would agree with Eric. I think um, playing for a Mountain West championship, playing for a New Year's Six bowl, because obviously, as we know, they're not they're really not guaranteed anything. They could go nine and zero this year and and still be in a a lower tier bowl um, because they didn't get ranked high enough. 
of that. The fact that at least one of those group of five champions is guaranteed a New Year's Six Bowl, I think, is is a is a is a reward that um, you know makes things more interesting for the players. Do you think the Mountain West would take them back? Would that be an easy uh, uh, relationship to repair? Um, I know there's a lot of bad feelings on both ends of it, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and it would be good business for the Mountain West to have BYU back. I mean, look at the fact that they, I think it's pretty telling that they made an exception for Boise State. I mean, literally, like, they're going to play one less conference game to be able to let them play BYU. That tells you how important that game is for TV, uh, for, for the Mountain West TV deal. So um, I think that's pretty telling about how important they consider BYU's brand to be. And so it would certainly be in their interest to bring them back. Stuart Mandel covers college football for The Athletic. In fact, editor-in-chief uh, for The Athletic College Football with us here on The Big Show. And, Stuart, we can't thank you enough for joining us. We always appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. It's our friend Stuart Mandel uh, from The Athletic. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's hard feelings on both sides. You know, we've, we've watched that play out, the Mountain West and, the, and, uh, and BYU. You know, all the old-school Mountain West teams not scheduling BYU and football on purpose there for a few years. We've seen that fade away. I wonder if just because of the overall value, like he's talking about there, I mean, they made an exception for Boise State here if they would get over it pretty quick. My guess is that they would, and the, the breaks would be put on from the BYU side. Uh, my my guess is also that all those bad feelings, Jake, are not Chad Bunn's fault. No, they are not Chad Bunn's fault. None of that. Now there's a there's old, a callback. There's an old bit that was pretty funny. Uh, if there are still ill feelings from the Mountain West towards BYU, like Stewart just said, and like you were mentioning, that all gets smoothed over real quick when the old uh, deposit slip gets filled out. Yeah, right. I I think so too. And they but were, I don't know if BYU is interested, honestly. Right. That that would be the holdup. That I don't think it would come from the Mountain West side. I yeah. bet I bet you there'd be some posturing and you know grumble, grumble, grumble. But yeah, come on back. I think, and I'm not predicting either to happen. I think BYU is actually uh, somewhat pleased with independence and how it's going because Stewart mentioned I think that uh, the pandemic showed ways that the being independent is hard. I think it showed a way that independence is actually a really good thing because they were able to put together right. a schedule when no one else was putting it together a schedule. Uh, but also, I'm not predicting either of these to happen, but if it's between rejoining the Mountain West Conference and waiting until the next time that some of the Mountain West Conference members can leave and form a new conference, I'd say BYU is more likely to do that than go back to the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm pretty I'm pretty certain this is not my opinion what I think should happen but I'm pretty certain they're going to stay independent for the long haul. I I would guess if you asked um the folks down there that BYU doesn't hate being able to do their own thing and not having to worry about uh, whipping support within a conference. I I bet they like that. And and that has a, been uh, a good political term there. Use of the political term, whipping some support. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I'm sure BYU got was was sick and tired of that because they wanted to do their thing in the Mountain West and the WAC before that, and the rest of the conference was eventually going to come along. But they had to, you know, kiss babies and and what what else do politicians shake hands. do? Shake hands and and do all that stuff. Like, oh yeah, you know, your opinion is is cute, Wyoming. Uh, but really, we're going to do it this way. And, you know, how can I get you to fall in line? 
yeah, New Mexico, tell us what you think, but then we'll tell you what you're doing. Right. Well, And, you know, I'm sure that's not easy for all universities to get along in these conferences, you know? A lot of different opinions, especially you get different regions of the country and different student populations and those sorts of things. I'm sure it feels like herding cats a lot of the time and being able to kind of go out and do your own thing. Uh, probably the freedom that comes along with that is pretty nice. Yeah. L- let me ask you, those three. Get, l- let me give you three options. BYU rejoins the Mountain West. Okay. BYU takes from the Mountain West and others and makes their own conference again, like they did from the WAC Before, to the Mountain West. Right. Or BYU gets into a P5. What happens sooner? Oh. Man, I just don't think it. I, I want to say P5. We all want that to happen. And yeah. I want to say, well, the Big 12 comes to its senses and opens up the books, and we're going to have Big 12 football in Utah. I mean, that's what I want the answer to be. Probably the middle one. You get Craig Thompson out of the way, steal a bunch of schools, and form your own league. That's probably the most likely out of those three scenarios. Which is how many years away from being a likelihood now that they just re-signed a Sign new, their new TV, TV deal. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Five? How yeah. long is that deal? Oh, I'd have to go double yeah. check. It might be. I think it's longer than that. Yeah, five would be short. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. It, it looks like independence is is how it's going to go. And it, you know what? The the truly sad part, and we've we've said this a lot, but about this whole situation, is man, BYU. This BYU team is good, and they were going to be tested with some really interesting opponents. You know, it, I don't want to say independence was finally going to pay off because that's a hot take that I don't really believe. But this was going to be a fun year in independence because you were going to see a good BYU team go up against some really good competition, some name programs. It, it was not going to be easy. They were not going to go undefeated, certainly, but it was going to be pretty fascinating because they're good in the trenches. They've got an upperclassman quarterback. Uh, the defense seems to be playing uh, as the, the best since the in the Kalani era. And to have, you know, all that pulled out from under you, that stinks. But, I, you know, I'm staying with it. I, I, I don't care about the opponent. I'm glad BYU's playing. I'm glad we're watching the game tomorrow. I'm glad yeah. I'm going to stay up into the middle of the night to watch it. And you've got, Bring it on. you've got Coach McBride and Alema with you for two hours tomorrow, 2 to 4. Talking on football. a game day. Yeah. Previewing an actual game happening here in the backyard. Awesome. Incredible. It's great. We, we need more stuff like that, yep. actually. 100%. I agree. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk a little NFL football. We're going to talk uh, the Oakland Raiders with uh, Scott Goldbranson, uh, co-host of Silver and Black Today on radio and silverandblacktoday.com, matter of the Pro Football Writers of America. We'll talk to him about the Raiders coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Just win, baby. <laughs> Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little Las Vegas Raiders football. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Uh, he hosts the uh, Silver and Black Today radio show. You can uh, check out his work online, silverandblacktoday.com. He is Scott Gilbrinson with us here on The Big Show. Scott, how are you? Gilbrinson, excuse Good, me. Jake, I apologize. 
That's okay. That's all right. How you doing today, Jake? I'm doing well. I'm terrific, Scott. And uh, yeah, I, one of my I'm famous around here for my lack of ability to accurately pronounce names. So I've got to apologize <laughs> for that. But you're unfortunately you're one of many mistakes that I make over the years. You know, I just had a guest on our show because we get off the air at four o'clock Pacific on Raider Nation Radio here in Las Vegas, and uh, I called. A caller called in, a listener, and I called them by the guest name, and then the guest came on, and I called the caller's name. So I feel you. Yeah. And especially, it's especially bad because before we came on, Austin goes, you know, he, he goes by the nickname Gully, if that'll help you remember. And I think, oh, yeah, perfect. And then I still mess it up anyway. So um, we, uh, we really appreciate you jumping on with us, Scott. Uh, you, you know, the, the Raiders moved to Las Vegas. Um, it might seem kind of weird, but Salt Lake and Vegas have this connection where it kind of sister cities in a weird way they're the closest to next big city to us the jazz way back in the day used to play some games down there um obviously there's a big lds uh, population here in utah but there's also one down there so there's actually some similarities and you know i i think a lot of people me included were excited that the raiders moved to las vegas because it felt like finally that we here have kind of some access to the NFL. So we appreciate you jumping on with us because I think there's a, a kind of a booming interest around here in Raider football. You know, it's funny you say that too, because um, I went to, I, I, I first moved to Las Vegas back in the early nineties, went to college here and worked at UNLV and at the Thomas and Mack center where you talked about where the jazz actually played for a while uh, and, and worked for a gentleman here in town who was LDS. So I know the LDS community really well. And I always, I always tell people, they, they always ask me, what's one thing you don't know, or I don't know about Las Vegas. I always tell them, well, it was founded as a Mormon mission uh, <laughs> and uh, kind of go through all that stuff. So people are so surprised by that. Uh, but yes, it's it, and and the Raiders. You know, that's one thing that the Raiders. I think uh, in moving to Las Vegas, they've started to do, and and clearly down in Southern Utah here, uh, you, you have a big uh, population of folks who actually have season tickets uh, for yeah. the Raiders for the new stadium. Unfortunately, they can't go this year, but the Raiders are making a conscious effort to, I think, market into Utah, which is very smart. It's a great family community and a lot of football fans up there, of course, with the great rich history of BYU. And so, yeah, it's going to be nice to have our, our Utah neighbors in the Beehive State ready to go and, and ready to be part of Raider Nation as they settle in here in Las Vegas. To that point, we're, we uh, here on The Zone, we're carrying all the games. We're your, uh, your oh. Utah home of the Raiders. So, I mean, we're nice. we're jumping on board. Uh, we're there for sure. Um, and, and we know about that sports community down there in Las Vegas. It's it's a sneaky, great sports community with a ton of passion. There's a ton of interest. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, the interest in the in the Golden Knights down there when the NHL came to town. I've got to imagine that the 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 feeling around the Raiders is has got to be a, a ton of interest and a ton of passion, right? Yeah, there is. It's really taken hold, you know, because originally the plan to move here is approved in 2016, 17. And you kind of said, well, they're coming, but it's not for three years. So people, I think, were a little bit arm's length because it wasn't imminent. But then once uh, the move was imminent, last season ended, and they started building um, their headquarters here. And, of course, the stadium, Elysian Stadium, was getting closer to be complete. Then I think it became very real for everyone. And the town is, yeah, it's electric with Raider fever. Uh, It's a little muted, clearly, because of what we've gone through as a nation and, and Nevada, as you know, uh, has been closed down pretty hard, 
during the pandemic. And so, uh, and Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, decided on his own that there would be no fans in the stadium this year because he said it's either all the fans or none of the fans. And that was a decision he made. Uh, and so the excitement is here. It's ready to go. It's, it's just unfortunate that people can't go out to the beautiful new stadium and enjoy some football. All right, let's talk about this team. And I'll uh, I'll admit, a couple of years ago, uh, a, a bad run I had in vi- uh, evaluating coaching hires. Because when the Raiders <laughs> hired John Gruden, I thought, oh, plucking the guy out of the booth. I mean, he hasn't coached in how long? We'll see how this goes. And then Arizona State hired Herm Edwards, and I had a similar reaction, like, pa, what a joke. And Herm Edwards is doing great at Arizona State, and it appears John Gruden has this Raider franchise on a pretty good track. Talk about this team this year and the perform or the job he is doing. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's one of those situations where when he got there uh, two seasons ago, he uh, there was a lot of skepticism. It's like he's been out of football for ten years, and let's face it, football is full of young men, and and as you get older, it's harder. Uh, to relate, as some people uh, surmised. Uh, but John Gruden came in, and one of the first things he decides to do is he decides to trade the best player on the team, and that is Khalil Mack. So a lot of people were not sure what was going on. And in essence, what happened was they, the, the roster was not in the position. There were so many holes that trading a Khalil Mack allowed them to fill it with players like Josh Jacobs, the great young running back they now have. So I think that when he first got on board, there was a lot of work to do. The organization was going in a different direction. It replaced Reggie McKenzie as GM with Mike Mayock, who came off TV. So you had a coach who came off TV. You had a GM who came off TV. uh, And a lot of people laughed at that. But what they've been able to do in the short period of time is they've remade the roster. They're not all the way done, but they've made significant progress. They've gotten younger. Two years ago, they had the oldest roster in the NFL. Now I think they have the fourth youngest roster. They've filled these roles with young players who they believe have high football knowledge but also have lots of character. So that's one thing that they've been very key on is wanting young men who will live by John Gruden standards and the Raider standards of what a Raider and what a football player should be. So that's taken some time. It's taken some adjustments. They haven't hit on everybody. But overall, they've been very successful in the draft, and uh, they made progress over the last couple of years. Uh, now they need to build depth and really start to put it together and win games. He inherited Derek Carr. Do you think he's sold on him? <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Derek Carr is the most polarizing subject in all of Raider Nation. It's not <laughs> – whether they won that week or not, it always comes back to Derek Carr, which is really surprising for me. Derek Carr, you know, first and foremost, really good guy, uh, does a lot in the community. Um, I respect him personally because he's a family guy, and he always preaches that, and that to me is important. But I will tell you that um, he also has a lot of upside, and he's also uh, has his limitations. So Derek Carr is who he is. He's a good quarterback. Is he an elite quarterback? Is he in the rarefied air of an Aaron Rodgers, a Pat Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, and now like a Josh Allen in Buffalo who they play this weekend? He's not. Um, But if you surround him with the right tools and the right players and you have a good game plan, he can win you games. So he is the guy they have right now. John Gruden was said to have been wanting to get rid of him since he got there. He never has. Their relationship is good. So for the time being, and of course – Things change quickly in pro sports, as you know, Jake. Um, for right now, they seem content to go with him. Uh, but for the future, it certainly looks like they need to think about developing that quarterback of the future coming up here in the next few years. 
Talking uh, Raider football with Scott Goldbrinson uh, uh, down there in Las Vegas, silverandblacktoday.com, the Silver and Black Today radio show as well. Uh, you mentioned they've got the Bills this weekend, and I know injuries have been piling up for this Raider team. How do you like them against the Bills team that seems to be pretty up and coming? Well, as my radio partner said today, I, I think they have a, punch, a puncher's chance, right, which is, yes, injuries hurt you, but Derek Carr, John Gruden, uh, Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, all have said the same thing this week, and they said, you know what, injuries are part of the game. Injuries don't matter. Nobody cares. We have to have a next-man-up mentality. We have to step up. Players have to fill in, and they have to fulfill those roles at the best that they can. And so the Raiders uh, are saying, don't make excuses for us. So going into the Buffalo game, you know, they're, they're, they're set up on offense. They didn't have a great week on offense last week, but the Raiders were scoring, you know, this, the first two games of the year, scored 34 points in both games uh, before going back down to 20 this last game in, in Foxborough against the Patriots. So they're going to have to put points on the board, Jake, because their defense has been – the really disappointing part thus far into this early season. They're two and one though. Let's remember that. Right, they're not 0 right. three. They're two they're two and one, but their defense is giving up massive amounts of yards on the ground. They rank it almost uh, near the bottom in every category on the defense. So the defense, which they spent a lot of money on, they, they signed uh, free agent linebacker Corey Littleton from the Rams. They signed Nick Kwiatkowski from the Bears, who's been hurt. Um, and then they drafted rookie Damon Arnett at, at uh, cornerback. Uh, so they're very young in the defensive backfield, which has actually performed well. The defensive front uh, and the linebacking position has, has really hurt them thus far, and that was supposed to be an area of focus uh, and an area of spend, and it just hasn't performed. So if they can get better on defense in a hurry and continue to score points, then they have a good shot of beating the Bills here at home. Uh, quick uh, would-you-rather for you, Scott. Would you rather watch tonight's Broncos-Jets game, or would you rather do anything else? <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, I think it's one of those games I will do something else, uh, probably do something with my wife, but I will use the game as, as sort of white noise background music. There you go. Uh, that's a good plan. I like it. And then just in is, case something actually happens, you can watch it. That's right. And it is football, so, you know, at least having it in the background makes me feel a little warm and fuzzy. I'm with you, buddy. Hey, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for jumping on with us and, and keeping us up to date with what's going on. We'll we'll have to have you back on the program a bunch. Yeah, Jake, anytime you need me, I'll be there. And thanks to everybody up in Utah for uh, for listening. Thanks, Scott. There you go. Scott Goldbrinson, uh, again, Silver and Black Today radio program uh, on 920 a.m. down there in Vegas. And uh, he's got a website up with, with a bunch of good work on it, by the way, silverandblacktoday.com. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go, child! Turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for our Survivor Pool Picks. 
Uh, I'm already out. In fact, uh, been out twice now, so I'm <laughs> I'm officially out. Out. How do you know you're out, Jake? Um, hey, I'm Jake Scott, and I'm the newest Wahoo. Ah, so stupid. Magic Johnson is pound for pound the best point guard who ever lived. That's dumb too. <laughs> That's, I don't know which one's better. They're both Which dumb. one irks you more? Probably the Magic Johnson one. Oh, it's just because it's Gordon. <laughs> it's just because He it's, sits it's, here in his Magic Johnson jersey every day it, and, and, and has to hear it from you, and now right. he's got this on Magic him. Johnson is pound for pound the Terrible. best point guard who ever lived. Pound for pound. So here's the deal. So Austin and Gordon are still alive. Uh, Austin has picked the Ravens, Pittsburgh, and Indianapolis. Gordon has picked the Bills, Tampa Bay, and Indianapolis. So how do we want to do this? Because Austin uh, texted Wait, who did you pick? It's not relevant. (laughs) It is. It is not not relevant at all. You picked Indianapolis, San Francisco, and uh, And the uh, LA Chargers. Who somehow lost (laughs) to the Panthers. (laughs) So, but Gordon, I texted Gordon this morning, Jake. Because he's not here, but we do this Thursdays at 5.50 in case someone wants to pick the Thursday night game. Right. Uh, And I texted him and said, hey, what's your survivor pick? Let me know. And this was at, let's see what time I texted him, just for for the record. It was 10.30 on the dot this morning. Okay. It is now 5.50 Mountain Time-ish. I have not heard back from Gordon Monson. And the survivor poll is now. So what do we do? So I've come up with, uh, I think, a fair solution. Okay. We're going to have you make Gordon's pick. However, you would just probably pick the the least likely result for him to win, and I don't think that's very fair. Okay. So it has to be, you have to pick from uh, any of the games that are currently listed at a minus one spread or closer. So basically a 50-50 game. Yes, a toss-up, coin flip matchup. Okay. So you have to select from that pool for Gordon to choose from here. Well, and from my, what I can tell, there's only one of those. Oh, is there? Oh. <laughs> there's only one, yeah. Oh. Um, and it's tonight's rip well, snorter. De- well, with that, the, the, it depends on which uh, which uh, a betting place you're looking at, though. I see. I'm, I've there's just only got, one. <laughs> it's the Broncos and the Jets tonight. Oof. And the, the line is even currently, according to ESPN. Um, the over-under is at 41 and a half. Take the under. <laughs> Take the under there. At, at, is that how many minutes people will watch the game? <laughs> oh, well, way less than <laughs> 41 and a half minutes of that game. Oh, man. Okay, so you're picking for Gordon between Denver and the Jets. And the Jets. Now, the Jets do have that uh, that crippling turf. That has just been mauling teams. Oh, that is this come, in New York? This is in New York. Slash New Jersey? Uh-huh. New Jersey? Because yeah. didn't San Francisco have to play there twice and they lost half their team to that turf? Right. And did you see the letter from the Players Association this week? No. Because of that? Did they? Did They, they have them? petitioned the NFL to outlaw anything but natural grass. Hmm. So that, places like Minnesota would have to figure out a way to grow grass in the winter. Yeah, that seems a little extreme. Arizona, it's perfect. They grow it outside and then roll it into the dome yeah. for the game. They're going to do that with the new L.A. stadium, I think, too. Oh, that's, that's awesome if you got the money to do it. But the, the Jets field is, I guess, one step above AstroTurf. And the 49ers lost like half their team's knees to it last week. So 
So they want grass only. Grass only, according to the players. Seems Association. like turf technology has come a long way. Don't all high schools in Utah have turf now, pretty much? I think so, yeah. In fact, Hans was talking about this on Hans and Scotty, was it yesterday? And he was describing how it feels to be tackled on the different surfaces. Oh, I heard it. AstroTurf is just the worst. It's like being, he said, he described it as being tackled on plywood covered in carpet. Yeah. Uh, the uh, natural grass. It, you, you've got it's hard to hit down on it, but it's there's mud and dirt under the grass, so it's not the hardest. There's some give, yeah. The uh, and then there's this uh, plain turf or whatever we call it that's got the rubber pellets in yeah, it and yeah. all. He says it's like being tackled onto a pillow and you bounce off that ground. He huh. preferred that. Well, I I would think that we we could find a turf technology that isn't going to you know decimate teams. I don't know what's going <laughs> on with with this turf. With the Jets, but I, you know, if one Diego High School can pull it off, you think that uh, a professional NFL team could could wow. figure something Are out? Are they a professional NFL team? Well, there's multiple professional NFL, <laughs> NFL teams that play there, uh, and yeah, the Jets are the worst. Um, let's give Gordon the Jets. So J- he's J E T S Jets 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 Fireman Gordon. Gordon is taking uh, the New York Jets in tonight's showdown. So we just essentially ended the survivor pool. Did we? Because we could we could do it for real. We could find Gordon a better game. No, 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 no. I I won't submarine him on purpose. Let no, me I'm see. fine. We can start over once once you and Gordon are both out. By I know, but he'll this com- evening. he'll complain. Let's then see. he should have texted me back. Bills, Tampa Bay, and Indy. Who's Gordon Gordon's pick? Give me your pick, uh, Austin. I tell you all. Well, I've I, got I've got it in the bag. I'll tell you who I would have picked for Gordon, and you can you can all right tell me how it goes. Especially if Gordon uh, does go with the Jets uh, via you. Uh, I was going to go with the L.A. Rams, who are minus 12 this week at home to the New York football Giants. Okay. So I was taking the Rams, okay. and this Let would me write have, this have down essentially here. end the survivor pool. Because you are that confident about the Rams. Because the Jets and Giants are both going to lose. I would give. I would pick the Monday night game and take Green Bay for Gordon. Against Atlanta? Against Atlanta in Lambeau. See, I can I give you a real hot, hot, hot take? You think the Falcons win? I think the Jets have a better chance tonight to beat the Broncos than the Packers have Monday night to beat the Falcons if if the Falcons can somehow play a fourth quarter, yeah, which the they have yet to be able to do this have year. They've been pretty awful, right? Because But they still have such good pieces there in Atlanta. They should be better. It is a mental block problem at this point for Atlanta. All right, we can give Gordon the Jets. That's fine. <laughs> I loved Kevin Graham's hot take today where he was rooting for Denver because he wants Gase fired so badly that Well, why did they hire to, that buffoon? I don't know. In the first place. Because their their ownership is is like their owner was a not the best owner in the NFL and he's off now. He's uh what Trump's um diplomat for the UK, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yep, yep. And uh, his son appears to be even worse at running an NFL franchise than his father. So, which is something that's pretty tough to do. Yes, that is pretty tough to do. All right, so uh, so I don't know why they hired Adam Gase because they they love making bad decisions. They're like, you know what, <laughs> we need to make a bad one. Have you have you uh, looked into his reputation or have uh, heard about it at all before he got the jet? No, like, I'd never heard of him. There's like not a single person in the NFL that likes this guy. I've never heard of him until he got the job. He didn't get along with anybody. A lot of people think he's this kind of quirky genius type of whatever, and it, yeah, he's terrible. 
So he's got pictures of somebody doing something they shouldn't have. I'm guessing. And that's why he's an NFL head coach. Like, you know, if, you, if you're going to hire a, a crappy coach, at least make it like a nice guy. At least win a press conference. Yeah, right. At least somebody Get that— Get someone we've heard of. Isn't going to automatically turn off everybody in the room the minute he walks in. That's why—do you remember when there were reports that the Jazz were considering hiring Jim Boylan uh-huh. when they were replacing Ty Corbin? Yes. And I LOL'd uh, when I saw that because, like, even if you thought that Jim Boylan was a good coach, which it would be a stretch in my opinion— you can't hire somebody that you automatically turn everybody against you on day one. Right. Just find somebody else. Anyone. Yeah, just is there an else. intern on campus right. that day? I don't. I mean, you might think Jim Boylan is absolutely amazing, and that uh, there it was strictly voodoo the reason that he didn't win at the University of Utah. But you can't hire somebody where day one you're you're defending it like against a fan base that will never come around on it, right? Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not only losing uh, uh, the hire, it's losing the press conference and the fan base. So if you're going to hire a bozo, at least make him a popular bozo. But anyway. Ball didn't go in the hoop. Anyway. Yeah, the but Jets. Gaze. But anyway, he's going to— Adam Gaze. That's who Gordon's betting on today. That's our guy. All right, stay <laughs> tuned. So it's Survivor Pool. Are we starting over next week? Or? I, we should, I guess. Okay, all right. All right, it's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrap it up a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No no Gordon today. Uh, no Gordon tomorrow either. He's uh, taking a couple of days off, getting a little R&R. Uh, hopefully he's enjoying whatever it is that uh, he's choosing to do. You think Gordon is leafing? You think, you think Gordon's a leafer? What, leaf? Like raking leaves? No, or like raking leaves. No, uh, I mean, that's, I, not, a, that's, that's not a question. I don't know what a leafer is. Who was president the last time Gordon <laughs> picked up a, a leaf rake? Washington. Uh, no, a, a leafer, somebody that likes to enjoys the leaves changing. So they go up to, to take that's in That's the, what they're called? The leafers. Have you never heard that? No, I've never heard that. No, Gordon, I don't believe, is a leafer. You don't think Gordon's Gordon doing strikes some me more as the type that has a screensaver on his 85 inch television that's leaves falling off a and tree. And that's good enough. And that's his nature. That's okay. That's his visit to the nature. Yeah. Well, I hope he's doing something unique. I hope he's. I, not I just... don't think it's community service oriented. Oh, it's going to be self-serving, whatever it is he's doing. Well, yeah. Well, of course he's not. He, I don't think he's out there uh, taking donations at the Salvation Army. Do you think vacationing Gordon takes uh, makes his own sandwiches? Not a prayer. No, no. You don't think that. Well, as he as he would tell you, Jake, you know, there's something about making your own sandwich. It just doesn't taste as good. A sandwich tastes so much better when someone else makes it for you. <laughs> it's true, Jake. I tell Austin knows it. I don't know this, Gordon. Yeah, well, it is. It's true. I just still can't believe that that's that was one of his takes. Yeah, absolutely. Like their work and effort makes it taste a little bit better. Well, that's you know to that end. Uh, anything I don't have to do that's done for me, Jake, feels a lot better. A little better. Okay. So I'll agree with him that far. Yeah, right. All right. I see what he's saying. But I at. don't know that their uh, their made with love ingredient is a real thing. I just don't know if I would really admit that. <laughs> that's not the thing to say. <laughs> I just don't know that I'd, I'd actually say that. Especially if I you wanted. Know, when, when, when someone else folds your laundry for you, it just it, it's folded a lot better. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, it's a it's a it's a way to live life, I suppose. But if I wanted the sandwiches to continue to be made for me, I don't think I'd have that take on the radio. No, I'm not, I wouldn't either. But it's, he continues to have sandwiches made for him, so it's good to be Gordon. So yeah. And once again, it's good to be our, our he is, boy Gordon. He is the Kramer of the Big Show. But uh, coming up tomorrow, everything just comes up, Gordon. It's true. It just comes. It, it 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 does. Everything does come up, Gordon. Tomorrow we'll have a football Friday. We'll be at the warehouse, eighteen twenty five South, three hundred West, their new Salt Lake location. Alema and Mac will be along for the ride for the first couple hours of the show. And so far, our football Fridays have really been a lot of fun. So tune in. Uh, those guys are are absolutely terrific. Or or better yet, if you can drop by and see us at the warehouse, uh, make sure and and do that. But we'll be getting you ready for the the BYU game. Love it that they're uh, they're playing. They've got a game day tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Also, stay tuned. The the movie zone is coming up next. Spy movies. They're hitting on spy movies today. We're talking spy movies and a big time guest in segment two. A lot of people would know him. Michael McLean has a big announcement out there about the Forgotten Carols. Huh. A lot of people have a tradition every year to yeah, see yeah. that show. You won't be able to see it live this year, but he's got a maybe better announcement for you coming up. Better. And I'm excited to talk what, to him about it. What, he's going from home to home for a personal con- concert? It's close. Wow. Okay, look at that for a tease. All right, the Movie Zone, Johnny Lightfoot and Austin Horton is coming up right around the corner. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Football Friday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.